Well, good morning. Uh, as I said in the first service, um, it's been a while since we've been here, um, at least that I've been here. Um, and so first, first service was a little bit nerve-wracking. I think I got some of those nerves out, so hopefully uh, the 1020 service here goes a little bit better. But if you're joining us in person, we're glad that you're here. If you're joining us online, we're glad that you're joining us as well. Um, and we are going to be starting a new series today. And so the way this is going to work out, it's going to look different than our uh, normal series, um, a little background. So uh, twice a year, Chris and myself and Daniel get away to plan our sermon series out. And we'll do that, like I said, six months at a time. And as we're going through series, we're looking at months and holidays and what God has put on our heart. And there usually are these gap weeks where if something doesn't fit, it's a fifth Sunday, something like this. And in the past, what we've done is, what if there's something that, whether it's a passage that has really spoken to us, whether it's a topic for us that we think um, we really want to share about, we've kind of done those. Um, but for this year, what we're going to do on those Gap Week Sundays, we are going to uh, start doing Stories You Should Know is going to be the title of that. And we are going to go through and talk about some biblical stories or characters that probably all of us are fairly familiar with. Um, but the hope is that we're going to take it uh, to a little bit of a deeper level. That we're going to try to understand how not only is it a biblical story that's helpful to us, that we know probably from a song or from a Sunday school lesson, but as followers of Jesus now, how, what, what, was the, what were the authors and what was God trying to do through those stories for us as we try to live like Jesus lived? So for today, we are going to look at the life or the in encounter of Zacchaeus. And so if you turn to Luke 19, um, whether it's in your Bibles or if you have a tablet or however you're accessing Scripture, go ahead and get to Luke 19, to the story of Zacchaeus. And just to kind of set it up a little bit, Jesus is, is moving into Jericho. And before he gets to Jericho, he heals a man that was born blind. And Luke right now, when he's writing this, he's in this section where he is showing Jesus doing some unexpected things with some unexpected people. So there's eight different stories in the midst of this where someone that um, the Jewish audience or the Gentile audience that he's writing to wouldn't have expected Jesus to act this way with this certain group of people. And Zacchaeus falls into the middle of that. And so if, have your Bibles. Luke 19, starting in verse 1, says this. He entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able to because of the crowd, since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was passing that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down. Because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down, welcomed him joyfully. All who saw this began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man? But Zacchaeus stood there and said, Lord, look, I'll give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay it back four times as much. Today salvation has come to this house Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham, and for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Before we go any further, let's just get the obvious out of the way. 
Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And we try to be as creative as possible around here, and so we had the shortest man on staff preach this sermon today. Um, so you're welcome for that. We're trying to enhance your experience as much as possible. Um, I asked Chris if we could put like a sycamore tree here that I could preach from. We didn't have the budget for that, so here I am. Um, but yes, I am short. Zacchaeus was short, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But on a more serious note, this is a story that we all know the song. Most of us do. Grew up singing it. But do we truly understand the implications that it has for our lives and how we might internalize that? So what I'd like to do today is just kind of walk through the passage. And then it's going to be set up a little bit differently. Um, I'm going to pose three questions. And so you can screenshot those when they come up. You can write them down. But that's kind of how we're going to outline our time together today. As we look at this passage, first we see Jesus entering Jericho and the crowds are starting to gather and we're introduced to Zacchaeus. Luke tells us he's a chief tax collector. And first we see he's Jewish. And so here we have a Jewish man collecting taxes for Rome, which is the enemy, and he's one of the chief tax collectors. So he's one of the main guys. And just a little background there, it's common that tax collectors um, not only would collect the taxes for Rome, but they would take more than they needed, and that's how they became wealthy. So he was a thief, not a very popular guy. So not only did he have to climb up in the sycamore tree because he was short and couldn't see, but he also had to climb up in the sycamore tree because of his social status. He was not well-liked by the people that were in the crowd. They weren't going to make space for him to get in and to see Jesus because they didn't like who he was. His social status, his job, and his character had isolated him from other people. So another reason of why he had to go and climb a tree, because he, no one was going to let him in. Socially, he was not someone that was accepted. We also read here that he's wealthy. And Luke lets us know that. Through this time, Jesus has made it very clear that to be wealthy, it was going to be difficult for anyone that had wealth to enter the kingdom of God because their hope was going to be in their money and not in him. And now that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day, but it continues to paint this picture of how Zacchaeus himself was an outcast, how he would have been someone that was an unexpected person for Jesus to have this interaction with, which is why Luke includes it in this account. He was not someone that the Jewish people would have thought would have encountered or spent time with Jesus. Zacchaeus is a man who has made some poor choices in his life. And he appears to be paying the consequences for it socially. But the thing that I want to start to take a look at and pay attention to is Zacchaeus was at least curious about Jesus. He was curious about Jesus and who Jesus was. He had heard about him, obviously. He knew he was coming, and he wanted to do everything that he could to at least get a glance, at least see Jesus. And so that leads me to my first question. How curious are you about Jesus? What questions do you have? What questions do I have? As I was preparing for this, I thought there'd probably be three somewhat common responses here. The first one being, Drew, that's a silly question. 
I've grown up in church. I've been in church my whole life. I know everything there is to know about Jesus. I don't have any questions. Why would you ask me? I know all the stories. I've read, I've read all of those things. I've got, I don't have any questions. Another common response might be, well, I'm actually pretty new to this whole Jesus thing, and so I've actually got quite a bit of questions. Um, and so for those, I encourage that. Find someone that you can ask those questions to, and we'll get back to our daily training uh, at the end of the service where we'll talk a little bit more about that. And then third, the third semi-common response would be, well, I actually haven't really thought about that in a while. And I'm going to have to ponder, what questions do I have? When I read the scriptures, what, what are some things that Jesus does? What are some teachings that he, that he gives that are a little bit more confusing that I do have some questions about? And again, I'm sure there are more responses, but those are three that I think capture most of the majority. And my encouragement would be for us to never stop asking questions, to never settle on the fact that we have nothing left to learn or discover. I've got three young kids, and my youngest is Audrey. She's two and some change. And right now, what she's saying often is, why? We ask her to do something. Why? Why, Daddy? Why? Why? And most of the time, all I want her to say is, yes, Dad. Just say, yes, Dad. Right? We don't need to go into the whys of everything. Just say yes. But Lisa has reminded me that it's through those questions that she's beginning to learn. That it's just not a staple answer, yes, I'm going to do what you ask me to do, but why? And it helps her as she grows and as she develops. And the same is true for us today. We grow and we learn through the questions that we ask. And that's the beauty of following Jesus. Because at the heart, it's a fairly simple thing. The simple part is, do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is and was? And if the answer is yes, then that should radically change your life and the way that you live it. But the complexities are found in how we live our lives in response to that belief. So it's a, simple, it's, a, it's a simple first step, but there's areas to continue to ask questions, continue to dig deep as we figure out how we live this life as Jesus would live this life. And that's something we're going to go into in our next series as we take a closer look at the Sermon on the Mount. But for today's purposes, I hope that we never stop asking questions because that's where we grow when we practice curiosity and don't assume that we have it all figured out. One of my favorite authors, John Eldridge, always says that discipleship is in the questions. The questions that we have shape us as, as, as followers of Jesus. If we're apprentices to Jesus, we're going to ask questions of the master or the teacher to figure out how to do this. And because following Jesus in Christianity is not a destination, but it's a direction in which we travel, the questions will help guide us along the way. Following Jesus is not about understanding everything there is to know about Scripture, having the perfect prayer life, having this community that's great. All those things are important, but you're never going to arrive it's always a journey that we're traveling, and the questions that we ask on the journey will help guide us there. And we have a teacher in Jesus who wants to answer those questions for us. 
So question number one, are you curious about Jesus as Zacchaeus was? When I was in middle school, um, I was on the basketball team in eighth grade, and um, I was never the star athlete. Um, and so I was, you know, I'd start here and there, maybe come off the bench occasionally. Again, I'm short, so it was going to limit my uh, basketball career to a certain degree. But in this, I can remember an eighth grade practice like it was yesterday. We had played a game before. We had got out-rebounded terribly. And so in this practice, we're talking and working on rebounding. And our coach was telling us the different, uh, the art of rebounding and following the ball when it's released and how to get there and how to box out and really working on going after the ball. And after we had been done practicing that, we were over in the corner of the gym all taking a knee. And he was explaining that he asked the question, who's the first person in the gym to know if the, sh if the shot's going in or not? We all kind of sat there quietly. Again, he was not, it was a pretty hard practice. He said the first person in the gym to know if the ball is going in or not is the person who shoots the ball. And if you're a good shooter, you know if that ball is going in or if it's missing. So you need to be ready to go get the rebound. And he goes, isn't that right, Phillips? And man, I thought I had arrived. Here this coach had finally elevated me. He was identifying me as a good shooter in front of all of my peers. And I still to this day as a 35-year-old man remember that day when my eighth grade coach said to the rest of the guys and affirmed in me that I was a good shooter. There's something about being called out, being recognized that does something for us. And that's exactly what we see Zacchaeus, Jesus do to Zacchaeus here. He stops right in front of him. He looks him in the eyes. He says his name and asks him to get down and says it's necessary that he stays at his house. Can you imagine that? Put yourself in Zacchaeus' shoes. All he wanted to do was just to see Jesus. And now he's looking him in the eye. He knows his name. He told him to quit hiding, to come down, and that he wanted to spend time with him. This is a life-changing moment for Zacchaeus. And what do we see him do? He jumps down and joyfully welcomes him in. And what do we see Zacchaeus do next? In the presence of Jesus, after Jesus has called him out, after he has recognized him, said his name, the first thing that Zacchaeus does is he admits and confesses the sins that he has committed and how he's going to right the wrongs in his life how he's going to be overly generous by paying back the money that he stole. Zacchaeus' eyes were opened. His world was changed by his encounter with Jesus. And that same encounter and life change is available for us today. So this leads me to my next question. Do you truly believe that no matter what you have done, Jesus still wants what is best for you? Let me say that again. Do you truly believe that no matter what you've done in the past, that God still wants what is best for you? I think most of our reactions at first would be, yeah, of course. But do our actions back up our words? As humans, we do what Adam and Eve did back in the garden. After they sinned, they hid we hide. They posed. We pose. We put on an act. 
acting like everything is, is okay. As humans, we've been doing this for a long time, but that is not what God, the Father, Son, and Spirit desired for us. They desire honesty, transparency, vulnerability that will lead to a heart and to life change, similarly to what we see with Zacchaeus. So for a moment here, I'd like to pause. And ladies, if you'll let me, I would like to speak to the men in the room. And I'm doing this for a couple of reasons. One, women and ladies, you naturally are a little bit more honest and a little more open and a little more vulnerable than us men. But as a man, I'd like to talk to the men in the room. I recognize that this is a hard and difficult thing for us. But do you really believe that God wants what's best for you, no matter what you've done in the past? As one of the pastors and the church leaders here, that's what we desire for you. Our hope is that you will quit posing, that we will quit posing, quit acting like everything is fine, that everything's going okay, even when it's not. And how do I know that everything's not going okay? Because I am one. I know the responsibilities. I know the pitfalls. I know the temptations that are out there for us as men just to slough off and act like everything's going okay when really deep down inside we are not doing well, but we don't know how to express that to other people. And our hope and our desire is to create a space here for us as men to feel comfortable to step in and to be the men that God has created us to be. Following Jesus is difficult in our culture. But we're not meant to go at it alone. It starts with a surrendered heart and life to Jesus, but then requires a group of men to walk along as we sort it all out. And my encouragement is that we would stop settling and begin to ask the questions that's really deep down in our hearts that we're scared to ask. That we would allow some of our questions for us to dive deeper and let the Holy Spirit uncover some of these questions. And for us to be the men, the husbands, the fathers, the employees, the leaders, and the servants that God has called us to be. Because when we step in and when we act, start acting like God has called us to be and started living into that, the people that are around us will benefit so much more. Now, I recognize that for most accounts, I'm a little bit more of an open and vulnerable person than most men. A little bit of that's just how God created me. But part of it is because I've had men along the way call me out invite me in and made space for me to feel safe where I could journey through those tough questions. Where I could be honest with where my heart is and the things that I'm struggling with. So now, 15 years later, it has become more, it has become more natural for me to do that. And I'm thankful for those men and I want to be, and there's a group of leaders that want to be here for you to do that. So men, Please, stop hiding. Stop posing. Stop acting like everything is okay. 
Let's put our pride aside for the betterment, not only of our life and our soul, but for those who are around. Now, ladies, again, I don't even want to begin to try to understand what you guys deal with, how your mind works, the pressures. But I do want to say that the same is so true for you, that God wants what is best for you, that he doesn't want you to be defined by your past, but he has a future for you. And we have Amy Anthony, Morgan Preecy, other women in the church here that would love to walk alongside you in that process, so don't feel like you're by yourself or you're alone. Find some women to walk with. Let's not settle for, well, life's going okay. Let's continue to press in. Let's continue to ask the questions and believe that we have it available to us like it was for Zacchaeus. That those areas that we struggle with, those areas that we hide from, those insecurities that we have, we don't have to be lit. We don't have to live by those. We don't have to be defined by those, but we can live as a son or a daughter of the king. Let's not miss this moment. Because the reality is this. If you haven't figured this out already, what Luke is trying to get us to see in this is that we are all Zacchaeus. We've all sinned. We're all trying to hide. But we all need to be curious. And Jesus is calling us out from hiding. And he desires to spend time with us. He desires to be with us. Little side note here. You know one of the reasons that a Jewish man would probably become a tax collector? Because he wanted to be self-sufficient. He didn't want to have to lean on anyone else. He wanted to make his own wealth. He didn't want to have to depend on anybody else. He didn't want to have to depend on God, which again is, I think, why Luke puts in here that he was rich. And most of the time for us today, what are the things that we hide behind? We hide behind the fact that we can do it on our own. That we're self-sufficient men and women. That we don't need God. That we don't need other people. That we can just do it ourselves. And men, the question I'd like to ask here is, how is that going for you? You may not want to share what's going on in your heart and your life, those things that you struggle with because, you know what, by golly, I can pick myself out of this pit. I can pull myself up by my bootstraps and I can do this on my own. I don't need anyone else. And the thing I want to ask is, how is that going? And my guess is, not very well. We were created for community. We were created to do life together to not be self-sufficient, but to be God-dependent. Final question is this. How will you respond? We saw how Zacchaeus responded. He jumped down from the tree and joyfully invited him in and the radical change in his life in response. And if you've never done that, if you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never taken that first step, I would encourage you, go to the next step space following this service if you're here with us and talk to somebody about that. Ask some of those initial questions. If you're at home this morning, I would encourage you to go to yourcalvary.info backslash follow. 
And you may be thinking, that's a pretty impersonal way to do it. But that at least asks you some questions and starts, it starts the conversation going. And once you hit submit on that button, it gets sent to one of our pastoral staffs, staffs and we will follow up with you. It's so vital that we take that first step of allowing Jesus to come in and transform our life. Now, if you're someone who's made that decision, but you feel like right now you're just kind of floundering, and you're ready to quit hiding, and you're ready to start fighting for God's best for you in your life, I encourage you, stop by the next step space. Tell them that. I'll be out there. Stop there. Stop by me. Stop out there. Talk to me. Tell someone. Email one of us. Tell your small group leader. Tell a friend. Let your spouse know that you no longer want to just settle for the way life is going, but you are ready to start fighting for God's best in your life. We saw, we are able to see through the story of Zacchaeus, life change. And my prayer is that through his story, it won't just be a cute little song that we remember, but it's a story of life change that's available for us today. So that brings me to our daily training. Daily training is this. This week, I would like for us as best we can to practice curiosity. Practice curiosity. And what does that look like? So I wrote down some steps for us. First, write down your questions. Spend some time, get away, find a quiet space, and just start to write down the questions that you have. As you think back on your journey with Jesus, what are some of the questions that you have for him? Just write them down. Then take them to God in prayer. We serve a God who can handle our questions. He welcomes our questions. That's how he wants to form us. So take those to God in prayer and start praying through those, asking God to open our eyes to his truth. After you've done that, I encourage you to share them with a trusted friend, share them with your spouse or a mentor. Let someone else know these questions that you're wrestling with. Don't just talk about it, but start to do something. Pray, study the scriptures. God's word is full of truth where you can go and find some of these answers to your questions if we just begin to dig and commit to studying the scriptures like we commit to the other things that we are so passionate about. And finally, probably the most difficult one on this list, wait patiently on the Lord. It's hard for us to be patient. We live in a microwave society that wants answers right away. God doesn't work like that. God is very concerned about our spiritual formation and the people that we are becoming. But he wants us to be patient. And so wait patiently for those answers to come. He, he does want to answer your question, but he has a way and a timing for that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the story of Zacchaeus. Thank you for the work that you did in his life. Thank you for the life change that we were able to see in him. The heart change. And I pray, Lord, right now that we would have that same heart change. That we would be people who wouldn't settle for where we are at right now, but that we will strive to be the man or the woman that you have created us to be. 
knowing that it's going to be difficult, that it's going to be a journey, that it's never something that we're going to arrive at, but it's a direction that we're going to follow. And we're going to follow it faithfully, knowing that you will lead us along the way. That you want to form us through the questions that we have, that we don't need to be scared about those questions, but you can handle them. And that you want to form us by those questions. Father, I pray right now for those people that your spirit is working on their heart right now, that they will not miss this moment, but that they will be faithful to you. We'll let someone know. We'll allow someone to come in, someone to be transparent with, someone to be vulnerable with, Lord, so that we can choose what's best. Help us to respond, Lord. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Cause I know you make a way And I don't always understand I don't always get to see I will believe it I will believe it You make mountains move You make giants fall You use songs of praise To shake I will speak to my fear I will preach to my 